Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Female Footballers Podcast. My name is Cassie Gray, and I am your host, and I am absolutely thrilled today. We have a very special guest on. We have a professional NWSL player on, and not only is she that, she's a great human being and a badass female. We have on Angelina Anderson, who is a U.S. youth national team player, a former standout goalkeeper at UC Berkeley, the 27th overall pick in the NWSL draft, originally from Danville, California. Please welcome Angel City FC goalkeeper, Angelina Anderson. Hi, everyone. I'm so excited to be on. Thank you, Cassie, for having me. Yeah, we're so excited to have you on. This is a treat for us. We're so thrilled. Um, We have so many young girls who listen and parents who listen and coaches who are always interested in like the type of journey that you've had. So we want to dive in and learn about your experience thus far in the game of soccer from all avenues. Um, So let's start with, you know, where you grew up, your club experience, kind of your journey in the youth club area so that some of our girls who play um, within ECNL and the GA and all that kind of stuff can kind of hear what a pro's experience was like. Yeah, for sure. Um, Like you said, I'm from Danville, California. So I played at Mustang Soccer Club. Um, And to this day, I'm just so grateful for my experience there because it truly became like like those Mustang fields became my home. The people really became my family. Um, and yeah, I, the first day I ever touched a soccer ball was with Mustang. So it's, it's really special. My first coach was my dad. Um, and then, you know, just kind of grew from there. Um, how old were you when you started playing? I want to say I was like seven when I first got into it. Yeah. And then, um, I was actually a center back for, a while I think probably till I was like 12 or 13 um and then I remember I was still on like the second team the silver team and the gold team needed a goalkeeper um and so the coach was like hey do you want to do you want to come to surf cup with us do you want to play goalkeeper for us <laughs> and come to surf cup and I was like sure I want to go to surf cup um so then I was kind of just locked into the keeper position from then on, but. But that's good. That's unique though. I feel like in today's day and age, girls are told to start goalkeeping even younger than that. They're told they need to be on the NPL ECNL teams younger than 13. And so I love hearing that it was kind of a little bit later and that there yeah. isn't just one way to get there. Right. That's so awesome. Yeah. And honestly, I didn't know that that was, um, you know, kind of the advice that girls are getting now, as far as sticking to one position so early, I actually would argue that playing on the field for as long as possible is really beneficial for young goalkeepers. And I feel like even today, um, like I'm so comfortable with the ball at my feet and it's a huge aspect of my game, you know, that's kind of unique. So I would say stay in the field as long as you can, even when you are a keeper, like try to get some moments um, on the field too. Yeah, no, absolutely. We talked to a lot of parents who I think they get the message that we need to specialize within a position within Mm -hmm. the sport just at a really young age. And I would agree with you. I think the more versatile you can be, the longer you can be it, the better. Totally. Um, So I think that's great to hear. It's also really unique to hear that you were with one club, your entire experience. That's like, very rare these days as well. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Um, 
I know I'm like a true Mustang OG. And that like, you love it too. Like yeah. through all those years, you had a good experience. I love hearing that. Yeah, absolutely loved it. Obviously ups and downs and challenges and stuff. But when I look back at it, it's like, those were the best years, you know, they were the best. So that's so cool. And so you became a goalkeeper 12 and 13 ish. And then what about from there? So from that's around the time of the age of 12 and 13 is the age where a lot of girls drop out playing. It's also the age where girls tend to get quiet because the sport gets a lot more intense around that age. Girls go inward and don't talk as much. So for you, starting at 12 and 13, did you feel like you really came out of your shell and blossomed because you found a, a position that was great? Or was it kind of a rough road at through your teen years? Tell us a little bit about that. Um, yeah, I think, you know, starting to play goalkeeper probably helped a lot with kind of coming out of my shell and having to be more vocal and just having a bigger presence simply because that's what the position demands out of you. Um, and while it can be really hard on your confidence, you also have to just portray this confidence about you too when you're playing. And so I feel like I kind of started picking up on that at that young age. So I think a lot of it was probably that goalkeeper you know the goalkeeping position just kind of found me and we worked together and um made made that little girl blossom a little bit but yeah you're right it is a tough age and I feel like um for me it was hard moving from the second team up to the gold team um and there already being an established core group of girls um and having to be the newbie um in a new position and trying to kind of fit in and find my way in and stuff um so that was a challenge and I feel like you continue to kind of have that challenge as you move on to new levels and into new team environments so I feel like that was the first time I really experienced that um and I'm not really sure if I you know knew right away how to overcome that but now I think that's become just a part of the process for me so I think I'm like comfortable with being uncomfortable in a new environment and so I think it started back then you know yeah that's so interesting and I mean from what I've read you were on youth national teams and particularly I believe captained the U17 national team so from 13 to 17 was quite a growth time for you within the sport can you tell everybody how you found your way there just because I know we have so many girls who wonder how to get on that pathway how did that what did that look like for you yeah definitely I feel like for a while it wasn't even really my goal like I didn't I wasn't actively thinking about what's my next step or what's the next highest achievement I can make you know it was just like you're a kid, you're having fun and you're working really hard. And like, I was in a really good environment surrounded by really talented girls too. Like my team was pretty awesome. And so I feel like being in that environment helped just push me. Um, but then I do remember, I want to say it was maybe around like my freshman year of high school. Is that when you're 16, maybe 16? Uh, like 14, 15, 16. Okay. Yeah. 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 Maybe around my freshman year of high school, I like vividly remember in, um, one of my like health classes, we were making goals for ourselves. And one of my goals was just 
just to be invited into a national team camp, like just get invited. I don't even care if I do terribly and never go back in again. Like just let's just get invited. And that year when I was 16, I remember I got invited um, to like a goalkeeper uh, striker event. And I went in and had no idea what it was going to be like. I was so nervous. It was really nerve wracking. I felt like I did terribly. Like it was just so new, so overwhelming. Um, How many goalkeepers do they bring into a camp like that? So that was kind of a different camp. I don't know if they still really do goalkeeper striker events, but um, they brought in maybe like eight to 10 keepers. Um, Yeah. And I was like one of the younger ones and I was like, woo, got, check that off the goal list, got into one. Wasn't my best, but like, nice, you did it. Let's see what happens. Then I guess they must've seen something that they liked in me because kept getting called back, kept getting called back in. Um, But it was really challenging at first, like kind of what I touched on about fitting into a new group and stuff. Again, like there were the core group of the national team girls who had been there since they were 14, you know, and um, it is a higher level. And so that was tough. And I know that I'm not alone in that experience because I've talked to a lot of other people who have had the same experience. Like it's really hard going in and trying to fit in um, while also having such crazy pressure on you that if you don't do well this camp you're just not going to get invited back like that's it's very definitely feels like this is my opportunity and if I mess this up it's not gonna happen again and so it's it's nerve-wracking um but somehow like I just kept pushing through and I knew that it was such an amazing accomplishment and opportunity to improve and so something kept me wanting to do it, you know, and then eventually once I kind of found my people within the team, I think that gave me another level of confidence to then come out even more and be more of a leader on the field and really like own my role. And then from there it was now I really am a leader on this team. I'm playing, I'm starting, I'm captaining at the world cup, things like that. So I felt like it was, yeah, it was kind of like a tough transition into it. Definitely. I I used to cry before I'd go because I was so nervous and everything. Um, And you just kind of have to stick out that bumpy patch and just stay really strong within yourself. And then once you find, you know, kind of your people or what helps get you through, then it's like, then you're free to just play and to really perform and succeed. I love when you say your people, because that's that's what worked for me. And all the data and research we do for female footballers talks a lot about how girls are motivated by the camaraderie piece of the sport. And it's hard to find that in today's day and age when you are on multiple different teams, you're you're being moved from team to team. And and I know your situation wasn't quite ODP, but I was on the U18 national team as well. And I think every time I would jump into a new setting like that, it was like, I was the quiet one. So it was really out of my comfort zone. And like you said, sitting through that is so important. I love that you said that because we have a lot of girls who really don't know how to handle that pressure and the nerves and, and they don't like that feeling of discomfort. 
So I love that you're sort of, you know, reiterating what we're telling them as well, which is you, you kind of have to sit with it. Yeah. Like you just kind of have to do it and get, and know that there's something else coming, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. once you get through that like tough patch, it's not going to be that way forever you know totally totally yeah well so then you're you're on you're in world uh you 17 world cup and you 20 world cup right okay. yeah oh my gosh that's amazing <laughs> um and during that time you're also going through the recruiting process so where were you looking to go did you always want to go to cal um yeah tell us a little bit about that yeah it's actually interesting so i'm from danville which is like 30 minutes from cal so when I first started my recruiting process, I was like, I am not going to Cal. Like I'm getting out of here. I'm getting out of California. I want to go far away, have a whole new experience. Um, and so that was kind of what was like on my radar at first. I like was like, mm, I'm not really even interested in Cal. Um, and I, I, you know, kind of kept it in the back of my mind, but was looking elsewhere. I was super interested in going to Notre Dame. Um, I had some good interest from Oregon. I went out and visited there. Um, And I I really wanted to go to Notre Dame for the longest time, even though I, I don't, I don't have any ties there. I had never been like, I just idealistically in my head, that was where I was. That's where I was putting myself. And so I went out and visited, went to a camp, um, stuff like that. I met all the coaches toward the campus and it just wasn't like, it just wasn't, wasn't a fit for me. Like I was trying to, I was trying so hard to, to make it work and it just wasn't a fit for me. Um, and I somehow got to the point where I was like, why have I not even considered Cal? Like I haven't even, why? Because I want to go somewhere else and have a whole new, you haven't even given it a chance. You don't know what this experience could be like. Um, and so I, I came around to it and met with Neil and Corey who like I've known through Mustang and just through people of Danville, you know, and I knew Neil's daughter growing up and stuff. So I, it was kind of an easy fit that way because I knew that I was going to be with quality people there. Um, and then once I toured the campus and realized this is a totally different environment and experience than Danville, even though it's 30 minutes away, um, like, why have I not even considered this? And it just slowly, but surely actually quickly, it checked all the boxes that I was looking for, you know, amazing school, obviously Mm -hmm. checks that box, um, competitive soccer program checks that box. And then a big part of it was that wherever I go to college, I want it to, I want it to be a really well-rounded experience and I want it to help me grow in like every aspect of my life. I want to experience new things. I want to be exposed to new and challenging things. And Berkeley's definitely the place for that. Um, Yeah. And so I feel like once I kind of, once all those things, you know, sprouted up and I realized that those were true facts about Cal I was I was sold on it and I I remember like talking on the phone with my dad about where do I want to go and oh my gosh I'm so conflicted um and I would talk about other schools and I'd be like yeah like blah blah blah, it's cool and then I would talk about Cal and I would have this huge smile on my face as I was talking and so I kind of also just went with my gut and how I felt Mm -hmm. about it and it turned out to be 
an incredible decision and just a wonderful place. So. Oh, I love that. And for those people who don't know California, like Danville and Berkeley are very different places. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they're 30 minutes away. So you still yeah. got a very different experience, I bet. Yeah. Um, so awesome. Well, as a former bear, I'm familiar with the, the, um, slightly the experience at, at Cal playing soccer there, but our experiences, not only because of our age difference are different, but you experienced college in COVID. Um, so tell us a little bit about your four years there and just some of those, um, the struggles, the, the great sides of it, you know, just kind of sum up a little bit of, of those four years. Cause I'm sure a lot of people listening, um, depending on whatever age they are, went through COVID and, um, playing soccer and it's, it's not for the faint of heart. So definitely not. Um, yeah, everyone, you know, who's gone through COVID has had their share of challenges, no matter what field or school or wherever you're at in life, like it, it's tough. Um, and I mean, I, when I got to Cal my freshman year, my freshman year was like the perfect year for me, like got there. Um, I like loved being away from home for the first time, um, making friends, kind of emerging as like the freshman class leader. I was playing really well. I was able to, you know, help the team in a massive way and kind of start like a, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Kind of like turn things around after a tough year. Um, so that was awesome. Like freshman year, I felt like was going so well. Everything was like just I'm way better than I would have imagined it. Um, we finished up our season. We had an okay season. Um, lost to Santa Clara in the first round. <laughs> um, but then COVID hit my freshman spring. And I remember being in my dorm room with my roommate Kaylee who's still on the team now who became one of my best friends um but I remember being in our dorm and we like got word of school and soccer being canceled for you know for like two weeks or something and we were like oh cool like a little two-week break just out of nowhere like let's go this is awesome and before we knew it you know we're two years into it um, so we got, we got sent home, um, which was just crazy. I loved being away, you know, in my own space and everything. Um, so that was hard for me, like moving back and trying to kind of deal with that transition again, but in the reverse. Um, and then also just on the soccer side of things. Like I do feel that my development was kind of put at a halt. Um, and, you know, I, I, I sometimes feel like those are two years that I, I could have really excelled and um, improved a lot. And I don't feel like I maximized that because of the circumstances. Um, and the Bay Area Cal, it was kind of, we were hit really hard with um, lockdown measures and things like there were no, there was nowhere to even go to train. So, you know, I, I tried my best. I used my backyard. I was still 
um, lifting in the garage and going on runs and like doing the best I could. And I really thought I was doing, you know, I thought I was staying on track as much as I could be. Um, and then once I got, once we got back to, to school and to like training again, we had a, I think our season was then in the spring, um, because they had to cancel it in the fall and it was just a weird season. Um, it was just a weird season. I felt like everybody was struggling with the same kind of issue that I had. Um, which now looking back, like I I wasn't alone in that. It wasn't like I didn't do enough. You know, it was truly like we didn't have, um, the same kind of like opportunities that we would have to grow and improve. So we got back. It was a tough season. Um, honestly that season and the next fall season kind of blur together in my mind, just because they were so close together. They were just weird riddled with so many like COVID protocols and everything. Um, but yeah, it was tough. There was a lot of injuries. I remember I was dealing with an injury during that time, um, just cause of such a long time off and then just getting right back into the grind having, I think we had games like Friday, Sunday, instead of having an extra day off between games or another day. So there were a lot of factors that made it a challenging season. Um, and I feel like we still didn't necessarily recover even into the next season. Like, I think it got better. Um, but it was just like, you don't realize how much, um, I guess how much it can take off, you know, how much time can really impact you. Um, The only like positive out of all that is that everybody within that, within soccer, we're going, was going through the same thing, but it doesn't make it any easier. I mean, I mean, you know, I guess you can try to say so, but then you had a great senior season, right? You had, yeah. I mean, what I was going to say next was that, yeah, it was super, super tough. Um, but now I'm like, oh my gosh, I've learned so much from that. And I've come out the other side kind of, and now I'm on a whole different track and yeah, like had a great senior year. Um, but I learned so much just from going through that challenge. And now that I'm at another high level, I feel, or a higher level, I feel like I have another challenge that I kind of overcame under my belt, you know, um, going into the next time I face a challenge, but yeah, my senior year, I kind of, my mindset that year was like, dude, like the last two seasons have just not been ideal in the slightest. Like this is like it's time like we're going to be back we have a full spring to get ready you have all summer to prepare and it's your last season like we're going to do this um and I really did feel like a shift in my mindset with spring summer preparing for season I just felt like I was so tunnel visioned um on having a successful season my last my last year and really like kind of turning the ship around from having two not so great seasons and just like ending on such a great note and no and getting back to where I know that I can be and where the team can be um and what this experience can be like from my freshman year and yeah then senior year rolls around um 
it was awesome. I felt like it was back to normal again too, which helped a lot. Yeah, it helped a lot. Um, What a roller coaster though that that is. And I think that's, um, I think a regular four years, you're you're on a totally different roller coaster, but I mean, similar where you're going to have some seasons that are great and some seasons that are more challenging, but such unique challenges with COVID. But like you said, heading into where you are now, um, that's that's got to really be helpful, especially because so much of that challenge was in a way um, an isolating mental challenge, yeah. which um, probably only strengthens what you need to have going into your first pro season. So let's talk about that because <laughs> I couldn't be more excited for you. 27th overall draft pick in the NWSL draft. Yeah. How did that feel? Were you so excited? Oh my gosh. Yeah, it was amazing. I, for a minute, I wasn't necessarily sure if I wanted to take my fifth year at Cal, um, if I wanted to go pro or if I even wanted to play at all. So I just hadn't really truly sat down and considered like what that would look like. Um, And I made my decision. So I was all in once I made my decision. And then on draft day, like hearing my name get called, um, I was just overjoyed. And it totally just reaffirmed for me that this is the next step for me. Um, And not only did it get called, but it got called for Angel City. How do you feel about that? That's like the team I feel like so many players want to be drafted to, right? yeah I (laughs) I don't even know I'm they only had two picks like I'm so grateful um to have been drafted by them and I knew you know that they were a club and the NWSL was doing it right and all this stuff but until I got down here I didn't really know just how amazing of an Mm. organization it is and like now I'm just absolutely blown away um by what a club what a club they are you know it's just awesome like what a club we are like it's my team you know it's crazy I I know so you've only been down there a couple well about a month or so right you've been in training camp tell us about the transition for a couple months um transition from college soccer to pro soccer what is that level like we often talk to girls about how when you get to your level it is everybody is technically the same. Everybody is tactically and physically strong in all the aspects, but oftentimes that mental piece, the quicker, you know, if you can be a quick decision maker, if you can let mistakes roll off faster, like those are some of the differentiating factors, but I would love to know in your opinion, what are some of the the jumps from college to pro and um, and what you see? Yeah. um, It's, I don't want this to like be scary, I guess. Um, but no, it was, real <laughs> yeah, I mean, on being real, like it was a bigger jump than I anticipated. And I know it's kind of like, it's like in high school, you're on your high school team or your club team, and then you get invited to a national team camp and there's a huge jump. And then you go from, you know, your club team to college and there's a huge jump. And then now it's like your your every level that you climb, it almost seems like the jump gets bigger. Um, mm-hmm. And so it was it was a huge, I guess, difference in um, in play. Just I remember being at the first practice like, oh, my gosh, like these girls are these women are athletes like 
I forgot that everyone here is a professional athlete. Like, oh my gosh. And I'm one of them. This is crazy. But um, (laughs) yeah, I would say just a few things that stand out for me of like specific things that are different um, from the college game to the pro game. The physical piece, everyone has really dedicated themselves to being better in that regard. Um, and it's a daily thing of like, it, you know, it's helped with you're backed by data mm-hmm. <laughs> and there's people who are there to tell you where you're lacking or where you're doing really well in on the physical side, but everyone is so dedicated, um, to their own personal growth in that regard. Mm-hmm. So I think kind of having a, I guess, holding yourself to a, to a really high standard and following through with that. Um, and then also a huge piece for me has been, um, just coachability and being able to like literally be a sponge, like absorb as much information as you can, but there's another, another level, um, of it where you need to translate that information to action. You know, you need to take the information you're getting and then do it (laughs) on the field or in training. And I feel like that's been, um, just, it's been a great thing for me. I feel like I'm a coachable player. Um, and it's helping me feel like, you know, I made a lot of improvement today. Like I I'm getting better today. And that has always been a motivating factor for me of like coming in day in and day out and knowing that I'm making improvement in some way. Um, and also there's just a lot to learn at this level. Um, and it's really exciting because you're as a rookie, you're just kind of, you're at the brink of it all, you know, like, so the world's kind of seems like the world's in front of you. Um, and then I, I think the last thing, which is like, I've been working on for a long time. I think this goes for every level that you play at, um, is just like as athletes and as high achievers, I think we're all naturally really hard on ourselves when you can learn the balance of keeping yourself to a really high standard, but also giving yourself some grace. Um, when you make a mistake, Mm -hmm. it's really helpful because it just kind of keeps your, keeps your mind in the right direction. If that makes sense, like, okay, let, let that one go. Like it, we're about, if we're all about improving today or we're all about, you know, fixing this technique or doing this, it's going to get in the way of that. And eventually you're just going to keep dwelling, um, on those mistakes. And so I think just having a more streamlined and efficient way, um, to be successful is really kind of getting rid of that. Yeah. Detrimental self-talk, you know? Oh my gosh. I just love that you just said all of that because that is literally what, um, you know, we offer a lot of these sessions to teams and clubs and individuals. And our most popular one is our response to failure and our reset rituals. Um, because players are always asking, you know, you know, I can't get past this or I'm inconsistent. And those inconsistencies are because they're mentally having those, those moments where they're ruminating over the mistake and taking them out of the game. And so, um, did you have kind of jumping into holistically your whole experience? Did you have like mental skills training or a sports psychologist that you worked with or anything like that at a young age, or was it just college? And what do you have at the pro level? We're also curious what's offered in the NWSL for that. 
Um, yeah, so I, when I was younger, going through high school um, and into college, I never really felt like, well, no, that's not true. I, I just, I didn't utilize any resources available to me for specific mental health in sport training. Mm-hmm. Um, I've dealt with like mental health issues since I was in, since I was a teenager with depression and anxiety. So I was seeking out, um, my own counseling for that, which like now has just absolutely transformed my life. Like I am such a fan of therapy and everyone should have a therapist in my opinion. But, um, as far as specifically for sport, um, once I got to college, that was more of an emphasis. Um, and I kind of wish that it was more of an emphasis while I was on the national team. Um, because I think it is such a huge transition for young people. Um, and I think that'd be really helpful. Um, and I, they probably have the resources to do that. Um, so I think that would be really cool for, for young people coming into that new environment. But then once I got into college, um, we had at Cal, there's a, um, a program, I guess you would call it called the Cameron Institute. Um, and they're really, you know, just dedicated to the student athlete success in all areas of life, pretty much. And one of their big pillars is, um, mental health and sports performance. And so we would meet every now and again with Dr. Greg Chow, (laughs) our, um, sports psychologist. And I had a few personal meetings with him and I've taken some really, really good skills from those meetings. And I think you mentioned one of them having like a reset moment, a -hmm. physical reset. Um, would you mind sharing yours or is it too? No, no, of course. Um, so I am, I'm really hard on myself. And I think as a keeper, it's just really easy to dwell on a mistake, or even if it's not necessarily your fault, you know, the goal might be in the, or the ball might be in the net and feels like your fault. Um, and so, or even training, it's like, you're just, you know, you're failing more than you're succeeding most of the time in training as a goalkeeper. So for me, when it's just not, going well I have two actually I guess that I use one of them is I like unstrap both my gloves and then restrap them like and in my head I'm like okay like physically we're undoing that and we're we're restarting kind of deal Mm -hmm. um and then my second one is like physically shaking it off like I'll literally just stop the drill and just be like and like shake it off, wiggle my arms around and literally shake off whatever is kind of holding me back. Um, and that's, that's been super helpful. So I'd highly recommend having a little reset moment. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. We were literally teaching that this weekend at one of the uh, clinics that we did. And we talked, we talked about the shake off one, but I love the goalkeeper specific one because we deal with a lot of goalkeepers. We have a high school ambassador, um, named Aubrey, Aubrey McClinn, who, she talks a lot about being goalkeeper at her age. And um, I think it's such a, a unique position and an individualized feeling type of position that it's really hard. Um, and we've talked a lot about goalkeeping. We've had Katie Meyer's parents on our podcast, and um, I'm sure you were possibly a teammate of hers on the national team or, yeah. or at least within the same, right? So um, 
we know how that position can feel so isolating and um but at the same same time holds so much leadership yeah. and and such a um a, a spot on the field that's just dominating and i just think it's such a great position so um not only your reset ritual advice but any advice out there to goalkeepers in general who are coming up through the sport when they are struggling with um that ruminating or that the mistakes and they're getting down themselves that you kind of mentioned you got to sit in the feeling anything else you'd want to share with some of the younger players yeah I mean did you say you have to sit in the feeling yeah like sitting yeah in the uncomfortable yeah I think that's um that's one part of it but on the flip side the thing that really helped me was realizing that every time I make a mistake uh -oh. are you there and so when I realized that this is hindering me like this is actually negatively impacting my performance going forward I really started to place an emphasis on like okay let's try to cut that out and so I feel like tuning into like not only you know, what you're feeling or just not only what you're feeling, but how it's actually affecting you. Then I, then I was like, had to spring into action about it, you know, because it was actually affecting me in a, in a bad way. And I figured there's gotta be something I can do about this. So I would say that like, understand kind of, first of all, try to take a step back and understand what you're even doing. Like, okay, I'm dwelling, I'm ruminating on this mistake. And then just think really realistically about it. Like, if I keep doing this, we know what's going to happen. It's been, I've proven it to myself time and time again, the more negatively I'm thinking, the the worse the outcome is on the field. So let's let's flip the script there. Um, and yeah, that's that's really helped me. I still think about that to this day when I'm being too negative or too hard on myself. That's great. And well, that's exactly what we're telling players as well. It's so nice to hear that players at the highest level are using a lot of these techniques. And I think a lot of the time they're not talked about. And it was so nice to hear you share some of this because we get a lot of girls who we explain something and they're like, but nobody's talking about it at that level. And I just think it, it it's happening. Like at, at Angel City, do you guys have sessions inside where you're not just game footage sessions, but like sessions where you're discussing any of this kind of stuff, any of the working through the self-awareness, the self-regulation techniques or any of that kind of stuff? So we don't have any like team mandated, well, that I've experienced so far in my few months here, like team mandated meetings about um, mental health or certain techniques. Um, but we do have an awesome chaplain on our team. Her name's Jen Tarr and she's around usually once a week. And she's kind of our like point person for that. Like if we need to know more about a resource um, or if we just want to talk to somebody who's not a coach or not a trainer or not affiliated with soccer like she brings an extra element of just like humanness to our environment which is awesome like just sitting next to her at lunch and talking about life and not soccer and remembering that you know we're also a human being every mm -hmm. now and again um like that, that helps tremendously. Like just having kind of a third, a third person that's not necessarily super involved 
on the field, but still is a part of the team and wants to see you succeed. Um, and she just kind of works through a different avenue. And then as far as, you know, like more medical, the medical side or true psychologists, um, I haven't sought any out, but I have no doubt, um, that it, it takes one mention to my athletic trainer and they're going to help me find someone. Um, yeah. I yeah, mean, I- Angel City is like one of the best, uh, teams I feel like for this, because you have so many resources. I don't know if that has to do with the ownership group or the city itself or just yeah. the newness of the club. But I mean, how I, I'm so curious and I'm sure people listening are like, what are your pinch me moments so far in the last <laughs> couple of months of being with this team? Like, have you had any of those moments? Like, so just for reference, my husband played um, in MLS for eight years and he got, he got traded the week David Beckham, he, we got traded to the galaxy the week David Beckham got um started with the galaxy so we got invited to like this party with tom cruise and will smith and like it was one of those show up on the red carpet walking in with like ridiculous people like rihanna and you're just like oh my god is this like real life so have you had any pinch me moments because you are in an area la is is a bit fancy so tell us yeah um yeah i'm definitely in a crazy area as far as like people in our, our, you know, ownership group and our investors, like, it's crazy. Like we have celebrities and super high-end CEOs and every, like everyone. So it's super cool to have that support. Like, it's amazing. I just, I think Angel City is just absolutely incredible. But um, I did actually have a little pinch me moment last night, actually. Um, so we all got invited to the LA sports awards. Um, you, it wasn't mandatory. If you wanted to go, you could go. So, um, me and my roommate Mackenzie Pluck, who's also a rookie, um, we were like, yeah, we should definitely go. Like, let's get every experience we can get, you know? Um, so we got all dressed up, um, and headed into West Hollywood for a little event. And, we got to walk on the walk on the red carpet and paparazzi taking pictures. Like I just saw my photo on the internet with Getty images, like on the internet. But the the bigger pinch me moment was, um, well, I've already had a pinch me moment when I walked in the locker room and met Kristen Press and Sydney Larue. Mm-hmm. Um, just crazy considering you know those were some of my idols growing up, and then we were at the event and Tobin Heath was there, um, with Kristen and I literally did a double take and then (laughs) introduced myself, gave her a hug and everything. And it was just kind of like, pinch me. Like, this is my world now. Like, this is, this is, this is normal. Like, this is normal. Like, (laughs) so it was just kind of wild. Um, that's so awesome. But like, it. yeah, those, those moments are like here and they're happening and they're like right around the corner and you don't really realize it. Like I didn't really fully think about like what it would mean to be a professional, mm-hmm. um, until I, until I was fully immersed in it, you know? Yeah. That is so awesome. But <laughs> something so our last question, I guess, uh, going into this, your rookie season, which starts in about a week, I'm so excited for you. Um, one theme I feel like I could pull out of this episode so far is that you've been one to set small goals for yourself, which is something we also tell a lot of players to do. You know, like you said, I just want to make 
the get invited to the national team. That was a smaller goal, not like shoot for the full team at, you know, 23, but more like just an invite to the youth. And, you know, I feel like you've mentioned some small goals along the way throughout um, your Cal experience too, but um, if you had to set a small goal for your rookie season, what would that be? And and have you thought about that? Because I know that's kind of putting you on the spot and that wasn't something we really talked about before this. So, <laughs> Yeah, I have thought about it. Um, and like you said, I do feel like I've learned now, sorry, um, I do feel like I've learned now to set smaller goals. Um, and I know everyone always talks about um, making smart goals, you know, mm-hmm. uh, measurable. And I forget all the other, act- the yeah. other adjectives. Specific, um, measurable, yeah. 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 Specific, measurable. Um, and while that's awesome, I find it really hard to always like follow that specific protocol or like think about how can I measure this? Like some of my goals, I feel like are not measurable by a metric, you know, um, it's measured on, how I feel or how I'm impacting someone or something like that. So I would say right now in this moment, my two goals are, well, I don't know. Now I'm like, oh my God, I have so many goals, but I know right? <laughs> my, like my first goal really, um, that I feel like is kind of a precursor to goals in the future is just to connect with girls on the team and make connections, um, in this new environment. I think, off the field and on the field, having those relationships just makes you got, makes the team perform better. I've always believed, um, in that kind of family aspect or not necessarily even family. You don't have to be family with your team, but having a tight knit bond that, you know, when you're going into battle on the field, that you've got your back, you've got their back and they've got yours type of deal. So I want to, I really want to continue growing in my connections with the, with the girls. And then I guess if I had to make, um, a measurable goal, that's very soccer specific, it would be to play in a game my rookie year. Um, so we'll see if that, if that happens and I'm definitely working towards it, but like, again, the little goals to get there is just like, every day. Yeah. So it definitely, it, I think starting small is, um, for me, it's always been more digestible and then it's, you know, so far proven to be successful for me. So that would be my advice. Start small. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh yeah. my gosh. So awesome. I'm just so excited for you and I can't thank you enough for doing this. And, um, I just, I love your team. It's so fun to watch them. Me also being from the Bay area really hopes that we get a team here in the near future and that they hopefully kind of model it off of Angel City because I think your team is doing it right and it's so fun to watch and I'm just so excited for you so good luck in your rookie season and um, we hope maybe at the end of the season we can have you on in your off season and we can debrief afterwards and and see how it went and go over just your first thoughts and and all that so yeah that'd be super fun thank you so much for having me (laughs) yeah thank you so much all right Everybody, please tune in Angel City's first game. It is, I believe, March 26th. Is that right? Yeah. Yep. Awesome. Who are you guys playing? Gotham. Gotham. Oh, it's at home. Oh, yeah. Might even have to go down for that. Awesome. All right. Well, good luck, <laughs> and we can't wait to watch you. Thank you. Thank you. 
At Female Footballers, we are female-focused, so I couldn't pass up the opportunity to be a brand ambassador for the newest female-focused footwear company, Ida Sports. Ida Footwear offers high-performance and comfortable footwear for athletes who have traditionally been an afterthought. Interested? Try out Ida Footwear and use our code FEMFOOTBALL10 for 10% off a pair of Ida shoes today.